0: Alright folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter Rifle Cover. I used one on a recent black-tailed deer hunt in southeast Alaska, and it did a great job of keeping the saltwater and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope of my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night, and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman, such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.
1: Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction and how I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration, effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you, these bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1800 feet per second which allows for long range shots but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure. You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome in. This is the Northern Hunter Podcast. Uh, my name is James Payne. I'm here with Dalton Gray. How are you doing? Fantastic. And Mariah Humphreys. How's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing well. Doing pretty yeah. good. Had a good Thanksgiving. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Got way over eight. Yeah. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> That's every right. year. That's right. And, uh, yeah, hopefully anybody listening to this, you, hopefully you guys had a great Thanksgiving as well. Um, so yeah, uh, just gonna dive in here. I read a very interesting, uh, article this weekend. Oh, so, ready? yeah, so there was apparently a man that got rescued after sinking waist deep in the mud flats down there by Girdwood. Hmm. Oh. So, he's, uh, it's, and this is, it's kind of an interesting one, because it's not hunting related. Um, so this guy, uh, He's a surveyor actually that was working down there in the area for the state for the state, yeah, and down there around the Turnigan arm, okay. and uh, he's out there doing his work and ended up getting stuck, so stuck in the mud flaps stuck in the mud flaps they say uh let me see in the article, I want to say he was almost a hundred feet out there, oh man, and so he calls his this guy ends up getting stuck, has to call his boss, his boss calls the fire department, and the fire department rolls out there to 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 get this guy. Oh, man. And, I mean, Girdwood's not exactly close to anything. No, really, no. So...
0: Girdwood is is, is where Alieska Ski Resort <laughs> yep, is, but, exactly. it's, but yep. it's inland a ways from the ocean. Mm-hmm. But for uh-uh. folks that don't know... Uh, Th- the coast the... runs right by the highway. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. But Girdwood is right there on the coast, but to drive up to Alieska, you know, most of those yes, houses yeah. are up that road away, so that mm. nothing's really on the turning arm down there. Mm-hmm. And so for those that don't know, that's the ocean. Like, that's uh, th- th- those are tide flats that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So
2: with like what twenty foot tides?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Super, on the time of year. Yeah. super extreme uh, water differences between high tide and low tide. <laughs> and, and this is not the first time this has happened either. I mean, this is this is a. Uh, this happened before. I, yeah, I haven't heard about this it has for happened. a while. Yeah, several times in the past. I, th- I think a few guys have actually drowned out there. I believe where, you're right. Where they wait out there and get stuck in the mud flats. Yep.
1: Because well, cause it goes so far out. I mean, yeah. you can walk down there and you can find all right. kinds of cool stuff. You could, you, um, I mean, it, know, take,
2: it it can be a hike, hiking on the mud. I don't know how much you guys have done it, but it... Mm-hmm. it uh, oh, it's you bad. Can, you can get quite a ways, and a lot of it isn't super... Uh, st- like, it's really sticky mud, and a lot of it you're not going to sink up to. Yeah. No, you
0: yeah. find that spot. Yep. yep.
1: And then you get yourself stuck. You can be in a bad situation yeah. pretty yeah. quick because you yeah, can so go miles.
0: How miles. deep did this yeah, guy so end I, up getting stuck in there?
1: So this guy, so I, I can confirm here, yeah, he was a hundred feet out, um, and he just he ran into a small area. He got waist deep in the mud. Waist, waist deep, deep, on deep. on a grown man. On a grown man. So we're talking about like three and a half to four feet of mud. Yep. And then on top of that, so oh the, the call to dispatch was sent out about 9:50 a.m. So roughly, you know, around mid morning, and by the time the rescuers got out there. He was covered not only that deep in the mud, but also three inches of water was actually moving back Ooh, in. Whoa. So, that, so the water is. I, coming I'm glad up they got, his belly. Yeah, yeah I'm wow. glad they got out there when they did. Um, oh man! And uh, you know, so, so thankfully this out guy's out alive. Yeah, but, um, ah. it doesn't actually say. It says when first responders arrived, yeah, the mud had reached his waist. Wow. Um, they placed a backboard in the area for a rescue technician to stand on, and they yeah. used. A nozzle to try and break the surface tension okay. of okay. the mud, and I'm, I'm reading this directly from an article in the Anchorage Daily News here, the, okay. who we're quoting there. The so ADN? Um, by and this happened a couple of weeks ago, I think, right uh, this B- was B- by the time this November out. 17th Okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, a couple so, weeks ago two weeks. yeah by the time this episode drops, it'll be a couple weeks ago, but yeah, and the thing I find interesting is that you know this isn't necessarily a hunting related issue or a hunting related story but But it's it's a a potential well it's a potential hazard to those hunting in those tide flats right and that's what what i was just gonna get at is you know these guys this guy in particular was just on a regular work day but there is a lot of situations where you'll end up in this exact same area um, not necessarily near Girdwood, but out in the right. like flats yeah. and everything. Yeah. And you, mm-hmm. I mean, you could be hunting down in southeast or Kodiak yep. or anywhere
0: on you the You should get on, on, the on the those island. tide
2: Fishing. flats alone. Yeah. Really. yeah, is, is really the way it goes. I yeah. mean,
0: I grew up. The places that I've deer hunted down in the southeast, I've encountered some spots like that where I'll be standing somewhere kind of looking over the beach before I go walking up in mm-hmm. the timber and you all of a sudden you stand you're standing there for a few minutes and you look down at your feet and all of a sudden you're six inches
1: sunk in there and you, yep. i mean it takes yep. some effort to pull your boots out of that stuff yeah you know and i mean even just like the silt on the rivers up here you yeah know? i mean if you stand yeah. there in one place and you just kind of shift your feet back and forth on the side of the copper yourself yeah even on places like the Tannenau or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that you know yep. that's wow that's you, pretty you, scary you, yeah. stuff
2: <laughs> You, you, and, you can get some. You can get stuck in the Tannano. And, and oh, I've yeah. been stuck, like
1: I've been <laughs> stuck waist deep in like a muskeg. Like, I don't know like if we want to, to talk about that, but that, that, I mean, that, that wouldn't be a bad segue to, a,
0: to kind of a pretty neat story that Mariah and I have about the the mud flats on the tanninol. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, so not to
1: throw
2: mud, n- no right, pun intended. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> let, let me let me let me work on this segue. Okay. Okay. Because on our first episode a few weeks ago. We refer. I referenced the time that I shot uh, your 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 Tika seven mil for the first time, Correct. and that
0: was the day this happened. Right. Hmm. So I had gone out there with my buddy Hunter. Yep. Shout out, and we were shooting a couple of rifles that day, kind of re-zeroing and switching loads and whatnot. I think it was just before moose season, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. Re- I, I want to say it was in the summertime before moose season. Yeah. And. Mariah was going to drive out to the spot, and, you know. Obviously, we were we were right next to Tanana River, off the dike, and Mariah was coming out to meet us to do some shooting. Yeah. And Mariah had taken a different side road to get to our access well, point. Well,
2: I got popped
0: the... out, and then realized that he was down a little bit from us, and mm-hmm. we, I, I had had to drive across this braid of the river. Right. Uh, w- w- Which I, I
2: had driven across I with I had you. Hunter's
0: truck. Yep. So Hunter and I had driven out there across the river. I was set up on this sandbar with mm-hmm. a cooler and a yep. gun rest, and I was doing some shooting. Mo showed up and then popped out a little bit down of us, and he was just going to drive across the braid down there. I think I... The same braid of water, but just, Probably, what, 100 yards down? A couple, something 100, like that? 200
2: yards. I think I parked, yeah. walked down, and shot with you guys for a while. Yeah. And then came back to my truck. Or maybe I even drove back around, came over there. And then I was like, hey, I want to go back further over here, see so if we can find a place we can shoot further. Yeah, yeah. And it's a braid of the river that at certain times of the year was low enough. I would crossed with my ATV at times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it yeah. just was high right now.
0: Now, to preface this, the Tanninau is a very, very silty river. Yes. And yes. the banks can very. can be very... <laughs> soft as yeah. well. And this particular breed of the river where Mo decided to try to drive across ended up being a little bit softer than where Hunter mm-hmm. and I had crossed. And so Mo tried to drive his
2: pickup out I there. Did. I drove out there. Yep. I turned around. Uh I, started, I I got like halfway across and decided it was uh, In the I channel. Mean, I mean, this is a good 100 yeah. feet 200 feet across somewhere in there i don't yeah. really remember right yeah, yeah. now it yeah. was it varied greatly depending on where you're at and within yeah. that 100 yards but um i got about halfway across it and i'm just thinking man this isn't smart it could just yeah. be a drop off mm-hmm. so i decided to turn around because the water's moving fast Yep. so i turn around no problem i did not have an issue getting back to the bank the problem was i got back to the bank where i pulled in and i couldn't get out it was too steep mm-hmm. it was too steep and uh, I got, got like one my tires out in one spot, couldn't get out. So I said, hey, Hunter, push me back in so I can drive back down to the other spot. So
0: Hunter had his spare tire yep. mounted on the front of his yep. pickup. So he just you know, drove, up, drove up to Moe's yep. truck, left me out on the sandbar with the guns. He drove back across our, our crossable spot, drove back over to Mo, yep. and went and gave him a little bit of a push with that spare tire on the front, just pushed his truck back in, and then it happened.
2: Yeah, I, I got back in. I turned around. I tried to drive back out. I was like, "Well, maybe if I hit the bank at an angle, yep. I can uh, kind of like get one tire up, two tires up, and slide out that way." Yeah. And um, the spot I picked just was really soft. Mm-hmm. And um, spun out. I uh, yeah, I, I I I started to stick. Hunter tried to pull me. He pulled around to another spot. Tried to pull. Wasn't anything happening. And so at this point. Probably
0: half the truck was in the water and half was out. (laughs) Yeah, it was at an angle.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it just
0: kind of was really stuck there. Yeah. And and, and
2: it wasn't underwater. You know, he he wasn't like in danger. I had one floorboard. My my passenger floorboard had water in it. Yeah. With with, like, you know, the, the bottles of. You know, yeah, Soda cans and stuff from the day floating in it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> drinking it. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. And, and for our listeners that might not be around the Fairbanks area or, you know, any any of your Alaskan rivers, um, how soft some of these shores are, the silty banks and everything is I've watched I used to hang out down mm-hmm. in um uh, what's now the uh Tanana Recreational Area. Okay. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Now, yeah. But they, back in the day, it was just called the flats, you know, and we'd yeah, always right. go out there and rally our trucks and everything. Now it's all state controlled. Now it's all yeah. state controlled, yeah. There's That's gated. down there past the shooting range, isn't it? Yep, yeah. Okay. yeah. If you were to go past the shooting range, it used to be just no man's land. Now it's gated. And, yep, yeah. yeah they close it down at 11, but anyway, so there's a bunch of river access back there where yep. people would ride their trucks and, oh, and yeah. you know, get down in the, near the water and kind of play yeah. around in the mud. And my buddy, back then, one of the, he left his Big old truck with a, you know, 350 in it and everything. It was an old square body and had that thing idil- <laughs> idling right there oh, in the silt. Oh. Didn't even think about it. And oh. I mean, he turned around, we all looked, and that thing, the tires were getting buried just from the vibrations of the motor. Wow, just man. shaking yeah, it down. This wasn't that bad of a spell. No. Oh, no. So, so there's, these rivers can be very, very soft. Yeah. I mean, they're... And- and we did end up pulling Mo's truck
0: out and you know seeing yeah we after no cutting problems. a
2: path through the trees and uh breaking a semi trailer yep. label tow strap we had two um, pickups a, a 2 full size together. pickups one, one of them was a diesel yep. Yep. slamming mm-hmm. against my frame multiple times before <laughs> i fi- my truck finally came out
0: yeah uh that was and it was to break that suction yeah that it had yeah. on yep. all the tires yeah yep. it was it, it was something to, Have
1: something hindsight to watch being... Have you, and that's crazy when you get i've pulled multiple trucks out from that a similar situation you can actually hear the oh yeah oh yeah like oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know and i got I, my truck stuck I'll say a year um, or two later trying probably. to go bear baiting i think it was the next summer
2: well um, we, i remember you I, called me yeah. right after you just gotten a new truck
0: that something. spring yeah yeah right
2: and you but right after you got that truck like the day or day after you got it you call me like hey you're not going to believe what just happened
0: oh yeah <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. and he
2: wasn't even like in a rally spot <laughs> no, he oh, was no, just no, like no. in a spot right off a road on the I river i was driving
0: up a logging road coming yeah. out from a bear bait site that i had at the time mm-hmm. i I'm, you know i'm not there anymore and um anyway i ended up getting stuck it, it was a spot that i driven through on the way in and okay. i hit it was, it a, i hit it with some speed i had a four-wheeler in the back cuz by myself that night and I, I was a good ways off the off the main highway there, and I hit it a little bit too slow on the way out, and yeah. it was, you know, 11 o'clock at night by myself. And luckily, I had cell service, and I, I got stuck, sunk all four tires, and just sat the frame on the mud. I, mm. I, I wasn't in silt, necessarily. It was just bad yeah. spray. You, you said somebody came along mud. and got you out or something like that? Well, so my, my dad actually came okay. out there and yeah. tried to give me a tug. Strap broke, snapped back, and broke my windshield. Oh, yeah! While I was in it, I I ducked behind the wheel as I saw yeah. this thing break, and it—I mean, it—it it was just just shotgun to the windshield that's it was terrible that's why i use straps instead of chains well and, and if you do use straps then put something over it to mm-hmm. deaden that snap yeah. back uh that, and that's something chain that I learned. Go right through it oh yeah yeah, a yeah, a heavy yeah. chain duty will darn strap. kill somebody yeah. get a
2: yeah. heavy duty strap yeah, yeah. I, and so
0: i ended up having to call a tow and luckily they would drive down there mm-hmm. and uh, uh the, those tow trucks they have that little bit of a boom arm on the back. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he backed right up to me because it was, it was hard ground right up to me. Mm-hmm. Just in the, literally just like the one truck length spot that yeah. I just <laughs> sunk into and buried myself right. in. And he was able to attach the, the, the chains to the, to, the, to, the, uh, to the frame. And when he lifted with that boom mm-hmm. arm, it broke that suction. and yep. it just pulled me right out. And it was yeah. no big deal. But, but I was in the truck when he did it, driving it. And mm-hmm. I could hear it, that, yeah. <laughs> yep. so, you know. This is the craziest thing Obviously, when you can get to hear that. keep
2: it subtle, but which bear bait was this?
0: Uh, Well, it was one that I ran years ago. I, I This is
2: one I don't know if I ever went to.
0: I don't think you ever went to that one. Okay, yeah. No. Hey, yeah.
2: So, so yeah. Right, okay, yeah. that's what I thought.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So anyway. And, and so, <laughs> that's couple of great stories about fairbanks area but oh yeah back i mean the, yeah. i mean to, i've got to the mud flaps mud <laughs> flats, oh yeah so, you know, it's like, but yeah back to so.
0: the back to the mud flats out on the tide flats yeah. that's that's some serious danger you know so, people in the lower 48 know what quicksand is mm-hmm. that's alaska's version of quicksand basically yep, you yep. have to be really careful and some of the areas that i guide spring bear hunts have areas like that I was too gonna say, yeah. you've got to be careful it's, it's not like yep.
2: quicksand in the like way quicksand stinks yeah and yep. you can yep. usually identify it if right. you just yep. pay attention yeah yeah with the mud flats, you can walk for, when the tide's out, you know, a 20-foot tide, someplace you mm-hmm. can walk for a mile. Oh, yeah. And it'll be sticky, but you'll have no issues. And yep. then there'll be a soft spot like yep. this guy. Found. And you
0: stand in one place for, you know, just a little bit too long. You can't yeah. get your feet out, and yep. then you're in trouble. And then you yep. start to struggle, and you just work yourself down in there farther. And, then
1: and you know, and, and again, this applies to not only hunters, but, you know, fishermen. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's people well, that go yeah. down to the peninsula. and they'll Guys they'll, that are uh, dip-netting down by dip-netting, Kenai. Right. Yeah. They'll be digging for clams. As soon as you brought clams. it up, it
2: got me thinking about, I grew up, uh running gill net on the oh, yeah. flats so yeah you, you i mean the tide's so so yep. much of a tide you go out on the, you take a boat down the channel Yep. you climb out on the mud flat mm-hmm. you stretch a net across set your buoys
0: and um
1: yeah yeah
0: something uh, to watch for for sure yeah. yeah
1: yeah but no it's it definitely is and we're very glad that this guy is okay that everything yeah, he got absolutely. out in time and uh just be careful out there folks i mean it's really yeah it, alaska is a place where you can go from just fine and having a nice, beautiful afternoon to <laughs> being in a lot of trouble yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah, and we have so, a lot of entertaining stories yeah. that we hope to,
0: hope to bring you about situations like that from living up here, but mm-hmm. anyway. And
1: so, Mo, you have a, a pet peeve I that do you have wanted a pet to go peeve. over. And this right? this
2: comes from my... Honestly, that originally, this comes from my dad growing up, uh, but um, there's a terms used in hunting and there's a lot of there's a lot of arguments between white tailed and white tails we just had or white tail we yeah. just had that little discussion about that before we started
0: this recording and you're talking about white tail versus white tailed with an ed on the end yes or yes i'm
2: talking about with okay. in, in, and with a hyphen if you use the tailed you should use the hyphen okay you know, we're not in that discussion okay. right now we don't have white tail the northern deer here Gr- but, grammar. well <laughs> but um A pet peeve of mine and of my my dad's. And my dad probably doesn't say white-tailed. And I'd like to throw my name in on this list. Okay. All right. A pet peeve of Dalton's as well. And uh, anybody uh, that's in my family that I know for sure. But um, deer don't have horns. Thank you. Moose don't have horns. Thank you. Antlers aren't horns. (laughs) Sheep. Sheep don't have antlers. (laughs) Yeah. I've never seen anybody with a sheep or a goat. Elk. Elk don't have horns either. Right. Nope. Right. I've, I sure don't. I've yeah. never seen anybody. I'm just saying all the time. You got a deer, you got an elk, you got a moose. Oh man, check out those horns. And man, it just they're not horns. You <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, um but I've never seen anybody with a sheep and so on. Man, check out those antlers. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you can use there's some terms here. Headgear. Yeah, fits all the right. rack. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that's uh, antlers. That's antlers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not horns.
0: Oh okay okay.
1: Yeah, all right. I see, I see what, what you're doing. So, so you here. wouldn't okay. say a sheep's rack? No. No. no oh okay. no no no. No. Okay. No. Just clarifying.
2: Yeah. No. Okay. Anyhow that that's if you want to use rack for horns, I'm not going to be as so, annoyed as I am if you're going
0: to say so
1: horns for
2: for our
0: listeners. For antlers. If you google what are antlers made of, the top word that comes up is bone. That's what antlers <laughs> yes. are. Yes. Antlers are comprised of bone. Horns are comprised of keratin, the same material as hair and fingernails on yep. the outer portion and live bone on the inner core. Antlers grow from the tip, horns grow from the base. Well, so if you see if you see a dull sheep, okay? And I've seen this happen multiple times. Mm-hmm. Not to rams that I've been involved with, thankfully. <laughs> but if you see if just YouTube, ram falls off a cliff after being shot, mm-hmm. okay? Something'll pop up. Yeah. Um there is one particular one that I'm thinking of. This ram takes a death dive off of a cliff after he gets shot. Okay? This is somewhere in Alaska. And the horn pops off the sheath, okay? And underneath that sheath, there is a little bit of a base that, that's, that's a little cone shape that the horn is attached to, so it does grow from the base. And sheep have those annuli on the horns, um, th- 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 those rings that signify a year of growth, right? Right. So that's a stoppage in that material that grows from the base out. And antlers don't have that;
3: mm-hmm. they don't have right.
0: annuli. Any horned animal has some kind of an annuli that you can examine, whether it's water buffalo or mountain goats or right. you know, blessed buck in Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They all have some kind of a ring in their growth cycles, right? Because they grow from the base, except out. except for one animal, right? So, and we talked ant- about this before. Well, antlered animals shed 10. antlers yes horned animals do not except for one animal that technically has horns that does shed it and i don't believe its horns. A,
2: i know in north america it's the only animal there may be another animal in the world
0: yeah that falls yeah.
2: under these we're not for sure on we're that. not we didn't aware Google of this some, before
0: like, weird you know polynesian deer that has right, horns so. or something that <laughs> right sheds it. um
2: but american pronghorn have horns and they shed them yearly mm. that
0: is very interesting and uh
2: so it, which, and I don't know. It, it, what time they, of
0: year do pronghorns shed their, shed their horns? That's a good question. I'd be very curious to know the answer to mm-hmm. that. Is it like in wintertime, like when antlered animals shed their horns? That's a good or, question. Or, or, I'm yeah. sorry, antlers. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Man. See, I even yeah. kicked myself out there. Yeah, I did that to myself. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'd be curious to know when, yeah. when uh, America October to pronghorn. December. Okay. So, so it's normal. So yeah. a
1: normal time.
2: I mean, and, a, well,
0: I'd say a little bit early. And, that, and, that's and, probably a little bit early. And it's when the
2: new horn begins to grow underneath. But pronghorn horns are made from keratin, not bone. Right. Right.
1: Which is the difference. Yeah. Which is right. the difference but between but horns even, and horns.
2: But, but and, and what you're talking, but, um. anyhow, it's just, I, I,
0: even though it's made from horn material, they still shed. And right, I, I don't, right. I don't completely understand why that is. I'd, I'd be curious because to science know. is weird, man. Yeah, yeah. animals <laughs> are crazy, man. Well, yeah. Well, to and, quote and
2: Veggie tails "Cause God made them different."
0: Yeah. <laughs> American pronghorn are built different. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are, and. Uh... Well, yeah. Very cool.
0: Very cool. So we will establish right off the bat from episode three on the Northern Hunter podcast that we are stout about antlers versus horns. <laughs> yes. 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 There you go. Absolutely. Big time pet
2: peeve. When we release our hats, we will have to have, you know, we'll have to have a hat that says antlers or horn or antlers, not horns or something mm, yeah. like that.
0: Horns, not antlers. Or yep. know yeah. the difference. Yes. Yeah. Or, or yeah. we could have like a, 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 go- a, a, of like a moose paddle. And then have Ooh. antler, not horn. And then a sheep <laughs> horn and say horn, not antler. Yeah. You see need to make a PSA yeah. all over or, Facebook. Or we could Instagram just have an antler that the the says antler and then,
1: you know, slash, slash and, and then horn with, the, and horn with the sheep yeah, horn. Yeah. I like that. Go to the northernhunter.com to find out the difference if you don't know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. So, so, all right. So well, you, say, you into, say that, but. It'll, it'll be there. It, it will be got, there. Got, we got weeks. Okay. Yeah, that's true. All right. There we go. All go. right. So, anyway, back to picking off of our episode 2. So, we were talking about our trip down to Southeast Alaska. Yeah, we kind of so.
0: left off in the middle of our Yeah, it of ended up being a, a little more
1: long-winded than, <laughs> than yeah. we had anticipated. So, well, there's a lot okay. that goes
0: into a trip like that, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to leave anything out just to keep it short. So, yep. I figured it'd be better to cover it in a in a two episode part. So, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming just...
1: everybody that's that's heard listening to this episode has heard that episode there's not really enough that you should be lost in the episodes yet but right if you um, haven't uh, (laughs) if if you haven't already listened to episode two then uh if you're just picking us up
0: on on your podcast then uh, go back and do us a favor and listen to episode Mm -hmm. two and that'll kind of make sense on what we're talking about here episode
1: one because episode one was a lot of fun before we get episode one is our introductory episode (laughs) go ahead and check that one out too
2: yeah before we get into this real quick um and maybe we can say something at the end too but if you like our podcast, it'd be great if you got on our website and let us know why. If you go to the Contact Us button on the top mm-hmm. of the page, it'll take you to the page. You can write in a quick message and we'll get that and, and we'll try to get back with you. We'd appreciate that. Absolutely also, if you have not. any thoughts on the podcast or the website, uh, if something doesn't work for you and it's not on your end, I know you can't always tell that, but if something doesn't work for you on the website, something seems broken, let us know if if yeah. you, if you you if there's something about the podcast that really bugs you. Let us know. We may not care, but we maybe we'll try to do something <laughs> about it. And, uh, you know, we like the length we're doing. It seems to work really well for us. Yeah. But if you want longer or shorter and it really bugs you, let us know. And maybe if enough people say that, then we'll try and if to do you something have about any, it. Uh... But like I said, we may not care because you may be the only person, and well, we yeah. all have Pepsi, so we can't yeah. deal with it. So. Also, any
0: stories or anything. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Might I was just going to say us. the exact same thing, yeah. you know? I mean, I'm sure, you know, this is just episode three, but, you know, I, the format of our show, we're, we're trying to have some uh, some rapid fire, quick hitting stories in the beginning of each show. Mm-hmm. And if you have something that you'd like us to hit oh, in yeah. the show, yeah. you know, a, a neat story from a hunting trip or, uh, or a close call or, uh, I mean, especially this group, uh, I know we're all very much involved and interested in bear encounters. So, oh, absolutely. if you have a neat bear encounter story, you know, I, please I've go to the dot and write us a no. write us an email, no. and we will get a hold of you. I will probably reach out to you and get a yeah. hold of that story, and then maybe even sit down and do an interview on the show. Yeah, um, absolutely. and it'd be even even better if you're a local in Fairbanks. We'd love to have you on the show live. Um, but if not, then we can do a call in, and that that'd be fun to have yeah. some uh, have some listener we feedback. Got the
1: technology. That's right. <laughs>
0: But yeah, anyway, um right, so where did we leave off? I think we left off with gun selections and conditions to hunt yeah, or we not were... hunt in. All right. Some, somewhere in there we we we'd pretty much covered kind of logistics of the hunt. Weather, yeah, year, yeah, things like that, yeah. So, a common a common theme that um I'm sure a lot of us have seen is deer cartridges and mm-hmm. there are a lot of articles in the outdoor mm-hmm. media world about appropriate deer cartridges Yep. but there is one very important distinguishing factor on deer hunting in alaska and that is that black-tailed deer only exist in places where <laughs> our largest <laughs> carnivores also exist Correct. so we have yep. that to consider so when you yep. pick a deer rifle you can't just pick you know your favorite Know, 243 yeah, exactly. or twenty five six without having it in the back of your mind yeah. that maybe a brown bear is going to come out well, behind you and chase you down the mountain and
1: that's I I'd had half of mine to bring the twenty two two fifty down yeah you know yeah. I mean fantastic cartridge yep. I love love the twenty two two fifty and, and for a deer gun yep why not headshots all day yep okay but the problem is exactly like you said you don't so, you don't want to hunt just for funny, carry the gun for just what you're. Chasing, right. yeah, yeah. You want to carry it for anything you might encounter.
0: Bears are always on the menu, is what I like to say mm-hmm. about Alaska hunts, and that's why I've never hunted with a cartridge um, smaller than a thirty-eight six or a seven millimeter Remington Magnum. Yep, um, both I, phenomenal I'd, cartridges. I just like to have, you know, it, it, it's it's on the light end for a large grizzly charging mm-hmm. encounter. Um, you know, I, obviously, I'd rather have a a three seventy five. Correct, um, yeah. or you know, uh, or, or maybe even a 338 um, of sorts mm-hmm. as an ideal bear stopping cartridge. Yep, right. um, but that you know, the bear stopping rounds aren't always ideal for an all around hunting round.
2: No, um, you don't want to shoot every deer you ever shoot with 375. You know,
0: I've I've done it and it doesn't always work out as well as you might <laughs> <Yeah>. think, <laughs> um, or a 338 now, rum or something. I now, mean, okay, now okay, okay, so, so now this is getting weird because. You both have mentioned cartridges that I've had friends bring to Southeast on mm-hmm. deer hunts, 22-250 and 338 Ultramag. So oh, I, yeah. I'm going to do a quick hit on that. Okay. So on 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 a hunt years ago, I brought a friend of mine down there, and uh, you guys probably know who this is. And uh, he brought a 22250 250 and a three thirty eight
2: Remington mm-hmm. Ultra So two, two ends of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. So he, his idea it's was not a bad combo. His idea was, look, after we kill a bear or two, then we're just going to be deer hunting, so we're not going to have to worry about brown bears, right? <laughs> and <laughs> both of us, both of us had large revolvers. Uh, That's I, right. I was carrying a four fifty four Casull, a Super Red Hawk, you were. Um, that which big, that was a big which I've done. since tied a rope mm. to and made it into a boat anchor. Um, and, uh, my friend had a 480 Ruger, um, which is, you know, the closest thing up from a 454 Casull. It's just a hair hotter. Um, so anyway, we, we both had adequate handguns to deal with, you know, a, a potential up close encounter, even though those aren't ideal. And, you know, don't mistake this for and they're saying... they're fairly rare. Yes, yes, they are in common. So anyway, he brought those two rifles, the 22-250 the 22 and the 338 Ultramag, in hopes that we could just shoot a couple of brown bears first. And we had a long hunt booked. We had 10 or 11 days to hunt. Um, and as the hunt went, we both started out hunting every single day with our bear rifles. I had a three seventy-five h H&H and a three hundred RCM at the time uh, for a deer rifle and he had his 338 mag. so we both carried our our large caliber bear rifles every day mm-hmm. for the first I believe it was 3 or 4 days of the hunt and in the process um he shot two blacktail deer with his 338 ultramag. yep um just going through the woods and uh, I had missed a doe with my 375 it was it was a bad shot angle and I I had a a, a small part of the deer but I could see I took a shot. I, I thought I had a good, clean shot, and I, I, I believe it was, a, it was a ricochet off of a tree or something that I couldn't see in the scope. So mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, um, after a couple of days, he, uh, um, he had shot two deer with his 338 Ultramag, and then we shot a brown bear. And as soon as, as soon as I'd killed the brown bear, we both switched off to our deer guns, and he killed two more deer with his 22250, 250 and then I yep. shot two blacktails with my three hundred RCM. So sometimes having a uh, sometimes having a two gun battery, if you have multiple species to hunt, that can work um, if you're confident enough and you hold enough stock in your handgun abilities that you mm-hmm. trust your handgun. Now that being said, a 308 rifle is still going to be a better backup oh, right. bear plan than yeah, a 44 now, Magnum revolver. Now is. I'm going
1: to get into something real real quick. Go ahead. That I just want to stay kind of bouncing ahead. off of something you said. Yeah, and it's something I've had a problem with with a lot. Of- People I've talked to is when I start talking about baiting bears or hunting bears in general. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't. I couldn't hunt bears." And I'm, but they hunt moose. Yeah, and they hunt caribou. Yeah, <laughs> and it's I'm like, they're right out there. Kind of like ears. what you said. Yeah. It's like, oh well, I'll bring this. We can shoot a couple of bears, and then we're just deer hunting. So I'll yeah. bring. And I'm like, yeah, they're still in the woods. Like yeah. this isn't yeah, a video game where you just log into the moose woods or right. the bear woods. Right, wood. right. Like, right. Exactly. Everything lives there exactly. all the time. And but, to be
0: clear. <laughs> This individual made it very clear that he had no problem shooting a brown bear in the back well, of the head with a 22250 two yes. fifty. And it would probably if, if he work. came across one. he <laughs> right. said, but he you said can't dude, if hit I see a brown bear from the front. He said, if I had if I if I've got a brown bear standing in the river sixty mm-hmm. yards away and he has no idea I exist on God's green earth, then I'm gonna take his lights out with a twenty two two fifty yep. in the back of the head. And it would and work all better day. And, and, and I told him exactly right. what you just said. I said, Well, you better hope that your first shot counts because you are running after that. <laughs> Because if he, if he doesn't go down, then you're in a whole lot of trouble.
2: Hey, but, if he survived, it'd make for a really it would cool make a story, story that he wouldn't want to tell because yeah,
0: because of the bite marks. Uh, yeah,
2: he wouldn't want to tell it because uh, you know he would feel a little dumb for only having a twenty two two fifty. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Now, now thankfully, is this, is this the same guy that I believe also owned a four sixteen Rigby at this time?
0: Um. No, this individual did not. Okay, maybe it's no. a
2: different person than I was thinking of. No, it may be the other
1: guy. Oh no 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 no! no. I, I I know who you're thinking about. Okay and no. okay no. okay. So no a different guy. A, another um, thing I'll bring up too is that, and this is something I'm working on on proving. But okay. is the concept that a big heavy bullet mm-hmm. doesn't always equal more bloodshot. Yeah. So so the ultra mags, the yeah. super fast one, it's the rippling effect right. when that bullet right. traveling at 3000 plus feet per second right. or right. any high speed like that so, smacks into the meat. So my experience with that has been this. If you
0: have a higher velocity cartridge, no matter the bullet selection, you mm-hmm. get a lot more bruising on the meat. Yep. Okay? Um I'm not one of the guys that cuts out every little bit of bloodshot. Mm-hmm. I'm not either. either Um, I will just about eat right up to the bullet hole on a wound. Mm-hmm. Um, now if it's jellied and it's really, the really right, bad, right. nothing you yeah, can do with it. then, then I'll cut that out and, and and discard it obviously. Um, but in my experience, and, and I've shot a number of deer with, uh, with seven REM mag, .OT six, three seventy-five Ruger, three seventy-five H and H. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, some of the best meat um, preserving cartridges that i've had perform on deer have been those bigger slower yeah. tougher bullets mm-hmm. well, because, there's a, because there's not because there's not as much resistance for mm-hmm. a little deer body to yeah. cause that bullet to expand as much number 1 right um, unless you hit heavy bone if you hit a shoulder bone on a blacktail deer with a 375 h&h you're going to lose both
1: shoulders. To be fair, though, if you hit a shoulder bone on a blacktail deer, you're going to lose that shoulder anyways, if no you, matter what you hit it with. If you hit a black-tailed deer with, like, a two forty three in the
0: shoulder, you're going to be looking at a half of one shoulder that you're going to yeah. lose, not all of both. <laughs> well, and the reason and, I bring
1: that up is because my my aunt and uncle live in the Hawking Hills in Ohio, Okay, and they hunt deer in that area. I've been up there. I've gone on a couple hunts with them, Okay, and Ohio has a straight-wall cartridge. Correct. Um, platform there. So you can't use any kind of neck down cartridges. It's yeah. 70, 44 mag, shotgun, things like that. Four fifty um, Bushmaster, three fifty bush Three fifty legend. And yeah. every time I bring up that, you know, the forty five seventy with deer, yeah. Everybody's like, Oh man, you're gonna lose no. half your deer and it's no. just, it's the just not the be fine. case yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you use the right bullets yeah. you shoot, shoot like the, a hard cast And, and with a forty five seventy
2: you can just that shoot center of that deer and Oh yeah. yeah. You won't ruin any meat that way anymore.
1: Anyway. No. Put yeah. it in the boiler room you're not gonna be a there's not going to have yeah. a problem.
0: Yeah. So and so, uh, perfect example. I, I've I've had 375 shots hit one shoulder or both shoulders, um, e- either with my shots or or friends that have used 375s on blacktail deer. And yeah, if you hit heavy bone, it ruins a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. But equally true, if you keep it in the ribs, even with a 375 Ruger, um, the load that I'm specifically thinking of right now is a 270 grain Barnes TSX traveling at about 2750 at the muzzle which is Mm -hmm. hauling for a 375 (laughs) Mm -hmm. um anyway that bullet um in the ribs is completely fine it it, it, now it leaves you know a a half inch hole or bigger on the offside um it just about sucks out lung tissue Mm -hmm. on its way out because of that cavitation but it doesn't have that velocity, like you mentioned. Right. If you're shooting a 300 Ultra Mag with 180 grain TTSX, <laughs> your impact velocity anywhere inside 200 yards is still well north of 3,000 oh, feet per right. second all day long. And that is the difference in in, in meat damage mm-hmm. um, between those larger calibers. And that's yes. why a lot of guys and this brings brings me into my point. um That's why a lot of guys up here hunt deer with a 375. Yep. Because if you run into a bear you don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um now that being said, I, I know I mentioned earlier that if you have a 308, it's still a better bear protection option than a 44 yes. magnum. That doesn't mean that I think a 308 is a great bear stopping <laughs> cartridge. It is not. Right. 100% exactly. not. And if you are carrying something like a 308 or a 30-06, mm-hmm. um, which is a great deer round, um you need to be thinking about having a two bullet battery yep. in your rifle, a 220 um, Grain have have, partition. Like, have like a 200 grain nozzler partition mm-hmm. in the gun and three down the magazine of that round when you're going through the woods and or or if you're traveling at night or if you're returning to a kill site instances where if you run into a bear you do not have time to make a decision about it especially
2: if you're hunting alone right if you're with a buddy and he's got a more so if you're alone yeah Mm -hmm. you know he can he can lead exactly you know i'm taking a a 30 30 with me on this hunt yep Mm -hmm. and a 300 wisdom with uh 300 wisdom for beach hunting and for long cla- shots. For
0: clarification, when we say wisdom, we mean Winchester short mag. WSM. Yes. yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wisdom is just our uh, our shortened slang. I don't completely in the nerd gun
2: out on the cartridges, but I have enough familiarity. So yeah, I'm
0: sorry. But wisdom is just easier to say. It's so. much easier to say wisdom. Anyway. Anyway. It sounds way cooler. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Winchester
2: short mag. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, so so you're carrying a two rifle battery and yep. your are 3030. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to say, I, I assume you're going to say, is probably not an ideal bear stopping it, cartridge. I would. <laughs> think it's not now.
2: Yeah. That said, I did kill a bear. My first bear was with a thirty thirty 30 when I was twelve. Yeah, I think I shot it with a core locked. I hit it in the heart. It didn't go five yards.
1: Yeah, yeah. so the yeah. right shot, the, you'll be good. The thirty thirty 30 is a surprising cartridge as far as capability goes yeah. for its size. Yeah, because when you compare, if you're looking at the thirty thirty 30 cartridge compared to a 300 Win Mag, you can fit the thirty thirty 30 in the 300 Win Mag. Yeah, <laughs> I yep. mean, th- there's that much difference, right. but it is still a very viable. Yeah, I would say it's a viable bait gun all day long. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely! Um, Mm -hmm. Inside that point blank,
0: and with, and this is this is where it gets really important about bullet selection Mm -hmm. with controlled expansion or mono metal construction bullets. Yep. Um, the thirty thirty can be a good bear cartridge. Right. Well, and it's in an ideal world, it's traveling
2: slow enough; it should open well inside that bear, like right it, yeah
0: however in a frontal situation like much what you said earlier about right. the 22 250 that mm-hmm. yeah in an ideal world you could kill a browner with a 22 magnum yeah you mm-hmm. know at 10 yards right on the spine but yeah. if it doesn't work it's really going to leave you in a bad situation right. now the advantage of a lever gun is that you have rapid fire ability right mm-hmm. um that's the one advantage that le- that a gun like a thirty thirty 30 would have in this situation but yeah. You know, you presumably are going to be hunting with or near somebody. I imagine mm-hmm. that'll be the case. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I would probably assume that if you're going to be by yourself, I would definitely choose a 300 short mag for your for your mm-hmm. rifle to hunt with, mm-hmm. or you know, it- just in case you were to bump into a bear when you're by yourself.
1: Well, and honestly, yeah, I mean, if you can find some heavy loads. For that thing, I mean, two hundred plus grand. They do make two hundred grand right. nozzle partition. We don't have a lot is. of thirty
2: thirty
0: ammo
1: available.
2: Yeah, in yeah. the
0: most the common city, thirty thirty weights are going to be one fifties up to a one eighty. I have, That's I have some one fifties. Yeah. Yeah. I have one fifties. I'm going to take for I reload for, for, for deer. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, but you want to do some reloads for me? I can't. Do you have any thirty thirty brass?
1: you go shooting (laughs) (laughs) that might be that might be what we do yeah because i may
2: not be able to find those loads before we go in the in in town but yeah okay so
0: i I think we kind of covered that i i have the dies? i have more uh i have more to cover on this as we go here uh to kind of revisit the caliber selection yeah um so conditions let's talk about that um with blacktail deer hunts um these are going to be either on Kodiak Island or Southeast Alaska. That is the predominant, um, Mm -hmm. part of the state. Um, they do exist in Prince, um, um, Prince William Sound, um, like on uh, Hawkins Island or Montague. Um, a few of those islands in Prince William Sound also have black-tailed deer. Um, they are, uh, they are always in bear habitat, like we said. Um, but the other thing that presents a challenge with black-tailed deer hunting is it's always in a wet climate. Yeah. Um, these things exist in rainforest type conditions, so having quality rain gear and quality insulation that can right. deal with moisture is of paramount importance. Wicking layers. Yeah, and, and and you know having having layers that work with your activity levels. You know, not wearing too much and not wearing too little mm-hmm. and regulating your body temperature. And while having you go layers throughout that are easy to take on and off. Right. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. ability to shed and add to or subtract from your layering system is very important in, in, in a climate like this, because if you find yourself stuck across a channel overnight away from camp and away mm-hmm. from your sleeping bag, you need to be able to keep yourself dry and regulate your temperature and stay warm enough, yeah. even if you have to get up and go for a run up and down the beach right. for a while. And fire is not an option. Right, fire. Yeah. You can just you can pretty much unequivocally count out fire as an option for a for a safety resource out there. Um, there have been times that we've been able to start fires out there, but it's it's pretty uncommon. There,
2: you don't have a lot of low hanging no
0: branches especially Mm, you know
2: around around
0: there are no birch trees down there so 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 there is no birch bark we don't we don't have any old man's beard down there, and Mm -hmm. and and if and if there is it's all wet yeah it's like literally sopping wet like you just took it out of a dishwasher right um so fire is not an option for survival your options um for a survival kit and thinking in this scenario are a tarp and mm-hmm. an extra layer of insulation, whether whether that be an extra puffy jacket mm-hmm. or yeah. or an extra pair of long john pants, yeah. um, an extra pair of dry socks, yep. um, maybe like a space blanket.
1: Well, you know. And you've been on enough hunts with me now. You know I yeah. am religious about having a yeah. backpack on at all yeah. times. If I'm, it's strapped to the wheeler, if I'm riding the wheeler, if right, I'm yeah. even just running into the bear bait, yeah. I'm, yeah. you know, for that short walk, comparatively mm-hmm. to, a, let's say, a mountain hunt, I yeah. still have my pack on me. That pack is always full of, a personal IFAC kit. Yeah. A tarp for survival situations, like you said, a space blanket, yeah. a you know, extra long johns, extra socks all vacuum sealed and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something I honestly think every hunter should have yeah. on them, especially in a yep. state like Alaska. If you're I agree. If you're hunting deer in the cornfield back behind your neighbor's house it's not so bad but
0: if you're going to be anywhere more than a few miles away yes from an established place of either communication mm-hmm. or base camp location you need to be able to spend at least 24 to 48 hours yep. out there by yourself without help and survive just fine yep
1: um, a, a 72 means, hour pack is the ideal yeah you know it's yeah. it's it's it, the amount of stuff you need to survive for seventy-two hours, if you get stranded out in the woods, yeah, you know, and this is like you said, getting stuck across the channel, right? yeah. your wheeler breaks down, mm-hmm. anything that might happen, um, is not so much that it's going to be cumbersome, mm-hmm. um, when you're walking around, you can put it in a day pack, yeah, you know, hey,
2: you can survive somewhat comfortably on very little for seventy-two
1: you would hours. You'd be amazed what you can survive mm-hmm. on with how but, little it is. But equally on 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 the
0: other end of the spectrum, there is you would be surprised at how how little something that you think doesn't matter very much right. yes how big a difference that's yep. going to make in your ability to survive exactly or not. you might leave that extra puffy jacket back at your camp right. and say mm-hmm. ah i'm not going to need this and then when it's three o'clock in the morning and it's been dark for six hours mm-hmm. and you're sitting there shivering in, in the your rain gear yeah and oh i didn't bring a tarp because i thought i'd be okay right or, or all replaced, of a sudden yes you replace that, that
2: puffy or tarp with a knife or something you thought would be more useful yeah yeah You know,
0: all of a sudden that one pound tarp is going to seem like an absolute lifesaver. And trust me, it makes a difference in being able to
1: stay overnight somewhere. And I remember you and I having a conversation about this last winter where we were out predator hunting. Yeah. Um. And, you know, sometimes we carry enough gear that people look at us like, oh, yeah, you're carrying that on a day trip. Like we're we're in and out. It's like we hope we're in and out. But I'm walking
0: four miles (laughs) off the highway. Right. You know, if, if and I th- break, th-
1: even sprain well, an ankle. I mean, not to mention yeah, it doesn't that take it take a
0: break.
2: It, it helps. Takes, yeah. that, just, just on another topic with that, to, figuring out what fits well in your pack when you're going on a day hike. It mm-hmm. may be summer, seventy degrees. You may be wearing a t shirt the whole time. Mm-hmm. Put your puffy gear in your back in your backpack. Figure out how yes. you want
3: it
0: stored yeah.
2: in there before you're yeah. climbing a mountain and you're having to rearrange your pack on the side of a mountain. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. people don't realize how easy it is, and th- this is specifically true. R- wrapping back around to uh, southeast right. deer hunting. Um, people don't realize how quickly hypothermia sets in in yes. a 95% humidity environment in 35 degrees or colder. Right, mm-hmm. And those are the average conditions of deer hunting in southeast Alaska. And we're talking about an average of a little bit of wind um, between 10 to 20 miles an hour. Is, mm-hmm. th- that's not uncommon at all. Um, Especially it's, on the coast. It's a lot more common to get a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um and just the humidity level. I mean, up here in the interior, we're not used to that much humidity mm-hmm. on, on, <laughs> on our interior hunts. Um, and we're not used to that much wind, in all honesty. That's you not know, the reason I like it here. We don't get right. that much wind in the interior like this. We have to go out into the mountain ranges to experience that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not saying that we don't, but it's a whole different ballgame when you throw that much humidity mm-hmm. into the equation. And your insulation layers and what your insulation is made of. All of a sudden, becomes a whole lot more important, and that's that's where you have to that's where you have to make your decision between down insulation and synthetics, yep. um, and how down performs in drier climates. Just fine mm-hmm. up here for us in the interior. It's not going to perform the exact same as it will on the coast if it's soaking wet. Right. Um, and it 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 might do well for the first, let's just say your your first night if you get stuck out somewhere. But after a day of being exposed and compressed underneath a rain jacket and getting wet it's not going to hold its uh it's it's not going to hold its insulation value like mm-hmm. a synthetic jacket will or or a pair of pants um and for those of you that want more information on that <laughs> reference my article on uh, yes. the the com. i was just
1: going to plug it <laughs> we just
0: uploaded this article here a couple of weeks ago um and uh that's that that's a great way to learn um, kind of the differences between those those types of fill for insulation mm-hmm. and what they're best used for. But yeah, so that you know, kind of weighing the balance there. And then people mm-hmm. like to talk about synthetic and merino um, for mm-hmm. uh, for like a base layer or a mid layer system. And that, you know, yeah. a lot of that's personal. Merino is going to be warm when wet and kind of make you feel like you're warmer when you're wet. Mm-hmm. Um, but synthetic is going to get rid of that wet a lot faster than merino will. Right. And so you got to make a you got to make a decision.
1: Well, and that's the thing. So if you're if you're tent hunting down there, yeah. you know, and and you're just set up somewhere, if you're tent hunting with all no, you have to do is with, hang it up in your tent with
0: no heat source, you will yeah. not have a good experience if you take a merino right. and down mm-hmm. as your mid layer, base layer, and insulation pieces. You, mm-hmm. you I, I can promise you, I I will put my stamp on it. You will have a terrible time if you get rained on the entire time, like is normal for down there. If you bring down and merino for your for your insulation, and I'm pretty sure this
2: is being said by somebody who's experienced this. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I just wanted to throw that out there. This I, isn't just you.
0: I have tried spouting down, information. I have tried down products in this mm-hmm. type of environment, and they do not work. And even the treated down products, they they work for the first few hours. But like I said, if you're wearing it in an extreme cold situation underneath a rain jacket, let's just use a puffy jacket as an example here. Mm. You have pressure from your rain jacket that you had that thing cinched down around your body, and then you have a rain jacket over it, and then you have a pack over that, and then you're carrying a rifle, so this arm is always bent, and guess what happens? You sweat it out from the inside out, and then you, then you have moisture that makes, your, makes its way in up around the collar, up the mm-hmm. sleeves, up the waist, around the hem of the garment, and before you know it, half the jacket is wet, and when you bring it back to your camp, you can wring the stupid thing out. Yeah. But it's treated down. Isn't it not supposed to do this? That's at the end of the day, the advertising. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, synthetic does not do that. Right, mm-hmm. and even if synthetic insulation gets wet, it does not lose its loft because there is nothing to absorb water in a synthetic garment except right. the face fabrics. Um, in a down insulation piece, that down will absorb water eventually when it's compressed, when it is um, under pressure like that. Mm-hmm. In some of these ultralight down jackets, if you were to get it wet in a tub of water and then hold it up to a light you can see through it and you can see the, you can see the down feathers in it. It just doesn't, it's impossible for down to retain any loft and any insulation barrier when it's wet like that. Mm -hmm, But synthetic, if you get a synthetic jacket sleeve wet, let's just say, um, and then set that up on your table, it's still going to be just the exact same height almost, if not the exact same as the other dry sleeve will, because there's nothing to absorb water except the face fabric.
1: Now for our listeners, um, people that are, Maybe pl- thinking about going on a hunt like this, or just maybe they do hunt in wet environments. Yeah. Um, how would they like? What what kind of products by what companies are puffy? or, so, or are down versus synthetic? Yeah. Do, yeah. Do these companies offer both. You know, what right. What kind of things to look right. out for?
0: So, um, probably my favorite down products on the market, and and I'm not saying all this to completely dog on down, if I mm-hmm. can use that expression. Um, it has its place. Yes, dog yes.
2: owns several very high dollar down.
0: it it has its place i love down products for sheep hunting because generally speaking you're not in that uh amount of moisture for more than a week and a half or so Mm -hmm. um and generally speaking in a week and a half sheep hunt in the interior um, whether you're in the brooks range or the alaska range or the talkeetna's wherever you might be for the most part you're not going to be socked in the entire time Mm -hmm. at least the sheep hunts in the years that i've gone on them Um, there's always been a couple of days at a time where I can dry out a little bit and I'll, I'll offer you another secret here. That's, uh, that's pretty important to sheep hunting. Um, but anyway, back to down, um, with down products, I have found that I like stone glacier the best. Mm -hmm. Um, their stuff is the lightest weight. It's the most compressible. Um, it has the highest warmth to weight ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, for folks that don't know what that means, Google it. I'm not gonna try <laughs> to explain it. Um but I, no, I, I mean I, I, I was I, pretty
1: amazed by their Grumman Yeah the, the yeah. Grumman down
0: the Grumman goose down jacket yeah. and pants. And I, amazing I and, and I have I have the vest as well. Mm-hmm. Um that stuff is phenomenal. Yeah. Um down needs to be ultra light. There is no point to me in having a heavy, thick down jacket. Um if it's that heavy and thick of a jacket, it becomes a winter parka and I want a winter parka to be synthetic. <laughs> So that's just personal pet peeve. So to me, a down puffy jacket needs to be the lightest possible uh, face fabric to allow for the highest Mm -hmm. possible uh, compressibility rating. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I can stuff a Grumman Goose Down jacket into like a two liter um, dry sack. Yeah. If not even smaller. Yeah. It's insane how small that thing packs down into.
1: The one it comes with.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, it's small enough in that, and it it still has room to get even smaller. It's about
0: one and a half times the size of a can of Coke. Right. For those that want to reference on on the podcast. Extremely packed. And the pants are about the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no excess material. There's no excess zippers and pockets. There's no extra bulk. and The face Mm -hmm. fabric is extremely, extremely durable as far as down products go, um, but it's also light enough that it also allows for a a very good compressibility um, Mm -hmm. in that garment. So for me, I like down from stone glacier the best. Um, that's just a personal preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when it comes to synthetics, there are a whole lot more options out there. I feel like that are very competitive and very similar in construction right. and performance, um, synthetics, um, for the most part, when you're looking at a synthetic garment, um, Prima loft kind of takes the cake in that industry. Um, you know, goose down can be sourced from several different manufacturers worldwide. Um, I, and it's a whole it's a whole different discussion to talk about goose down versus duck down. We won't dive off into that right now. No pun intended with duck down. <laughs> <laughs> but um with uh with synthetic fill insulation, Prima Loft is pretty much the top name in the brand, with I would say 3D EFX, um being the second most well-known in, in the hunting space. Okay. Um Prima Loft Gold Primaloft Silver, and Primaloft, I believe there's a Platinum. You Hmm. might want to look that up and see if there is actually a Primaloft Platinum insulation. Um, But for sure, gold and silver. Um, So a good good example would be like uh, my favorite synthetic jacket right now, as far as like a mid-layer, would be um, the Sitka Aerolite jacket. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a unique uh, synthetic insulation piece. It's not as heavy as I would want it to be for, like, a, a, a single-use outer layer do-it-all mm-hmm. puffy.
2: I've looked at that. It's really um, nice. It's actually... Um, it,
0: it's very lightweight, very thin, mm-hmm. but very high warmth-to-weight ratio. Um, and, and the way that that particular insulation works with an Aerolite jacket from Sitka, um, Aerolite insulation is Primaloft Gold with what they call cross-core Aerolite gel technology, okay? Um, imagine synthetic fibers... With, if you will, just for the sake of illustration, micro holes. And Mm. injected into those micro holes in the insulation fiber strands is aerogel, which is made up of 95% air. And if you ask me how that doesn't just collapse, (laughs) I don't know. But it doesn't. It doesn't doesn't lose loft. So it's just like a synthetic insulation, because it is. Mm. But that cross-core aerogel technology allows that synthetic insulation to now be as light as, a down product of the same insulation rating and, uh, it, and it makes it more packable. So hmm. you can pack it down arguably as small as a down product of similar construction. Now down, I th- I think will probably still be a little bit lighter and a little bit more packable than a comparative made out of aerolite mm-hmm. um, insulation, but that gives you a good cross between the two. Okay. So uh, did you find something on the, on so the there's no, um, Primaloft Platinum. Primaloft Platinum. Okay, so so it is just gold and silver.
2: And Just for everybody listening, this podcast should be airing on the 28th, and the 28th is the last day. So if you're listening to this, you'll have one day (laughs) to get on Sitka's website, and you could actually order this jacket. It looks like it should be on sale about 25% off the one he's talking about, which is the Kelvin Aerolite. Oh,
0: nice. Very nice. I'm going to go do that. Yeah, so so depending
2: on the color you get, it might be cheaper. Yeah, there you go. If you get it, I've never been picky.
0: If you get it in gray, navy blue, or gray or something, if you get get it it in gray,
2: if if you get it navy blue, it's one eighty. Gray is one eighty five. There you go. Navy blue seems a little odd. Well, you heard it here first, folks. On the last day of the (laughs) sale. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's just in time. It says eleven twenty eight on top, so I'm going off of that, and so hopefully you guys are able to take advantage of that.
0: So, yeah, I would say for, like, a mid-layer insulation mm-hmm. piece, um, for synthetic, I would say the Aerolite is my favorite right now. Yeah, uh, I actually I
2: have the Aerolite vest. I extremely on light sale. and extremely warm and for what it is. I, the only problem I have with the vest, because I ordered it because it was on sale, is, um, this is what I told Dalton, was, <clears throat> this vest is great. The problem is my arm, the rest of my, my arms are cold. <laughs> 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 yeah, because it I, doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> right. right. I did order um, another option in the uh, Primaloft Gold, and that is the uh,
0: Stone Glacier Cirque. Correct, and that was what I was going to get to next. Kind of the level above that in synthetic insulation is the Stone Glacier Cirque jacket. Um, And I don't mean to sound like a Stone Glacier commercial here. (laughs) Um, We're not sponsored, by But the it speaks no. to the level of confidence that I have in that technology. Unless they mm-hmm.
2: want to sponsor us, they can... <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Let's, let's not get that's ahead a, of ourselves right now. That's yeah, a far, our future right. problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so, uh, the, yeah, the, the Cirque jacket is about twice the thickness, uh, I think, of the of the Sitka Aerolite jacket. Um, mm-hmm. That one's more of a heavier weight, um, puffy style, if you will. Okay. Um, Going to be quite a bit warmer. Not quite as packable as the Cirque or the Gremlin Goose Down, by mm-hmm. any means. Um, but you get that warmth when wet performance. So that's, that's kind of my favorite. What would
1: application you, would you get that? Would that be for a ride-in, for a... Sorry, um, like, what kind of hunt would you, style
0: of hunt? Yeah, uh, man, I, you know, I don't wear any down in Southeast, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna wear that deer hunting. I'm gonna wear that bear hunting on Kodiak. I'm gonna wear that on super wet moose hunts on the peninsula. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wear that pretty much anywhere that I expect to be wet and not have a heat source to dry out with. So that's that's personally where I draw the line between down and synthetic. Um, if if packability and weight overall isn't really an issue mm-hmm. then i'm gonna pick synthetic every time just because i know it's gonna work even if i drop my entire pack in a creek yeah it's still gonna keep me warm when i put it to on me
2: if you can afford one good insulation layer it should probably
0: be synthetic Yes. In an ideal world, you'll have one of each. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, I would have all three of those pieces that I just mentioned. Uh-huh. And, and, and for those listening, there are a lot of other options. I didn't mention anything from Kuyu. Um, the Kuyu Superdown Pro set is about on the same level, I would say, as the Stone Glacier Grumman mm-hmm. series is. Um, full zip, puffy pants um that's jacket that's a treated down correct correct and as is the stone glacier grumman set um and uh for those of you that want to know more about that um we will have an article hopefully touching on that on the website so absolutely um so you
2: you guys can do like i do which is uh i can't afford just to go buy. oh look i need this this and this and and i think just mix and match (laughs) right well we're right but like uh, you know we're going on this hunt I'm using this trip as an opportunity to purchase items that I know I will use for this trip. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, over time you'll accumulate correct, it as you correct. go
0: on a wider variety of so, types of hunts. When I
2: go on a sheep hunt, um, when you know when that time comes, I'll probably start to order some down. Yep, depending, you know, depending yep. on when that stuff comes, I I can't afford just to go buy it all. It, it's not cheap gear. And trust me, I, so,
0: I I didn't just come across all this gear overnight either. No, he did. I've I've been hunting in the mountains and using gear like right. this for quite a number well, of years now. So. Um, yeah, it, and it helps that I'm a gearhead and that I obsess about yeah, this kind of stuff yeah. anyway. Um, but offerings so, from companies like Kuyu, um, Kuyu has their Keen Eye series, the mm-hmm. Keen Eye jacket, non-hooded and hooded version and pants. Um, those are synthetic. Um, it's going to be about the same thickness as something like the Aerolite. It's not a heavyweight do-it-all puffy jacket like something like the Cirque is. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Stone Glacier come out with Cirque pants. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be great to have a synthetic offering in that, uh, in in that garment for pants. Mm -hmm. Um, because right now, if I take, you know, puffy pants, the only puffy pants I own right now are the Grumman puffy pants and they're great. But you know, like I said, if they get soaked, then they're useless to me. Um, now, like I was going to say earlier, one thing that I will say is that on a sheep hunt, I'm generally okay with trusting down products for my jacket and pants for one reason. I have a synthetic sleeping bag along. Mm. Now um, at some point we need to do a demonstration video on how a synthetic sleeping Mm -hmm, bag mm -hmm. works and why it works over down. Um, We can get into a lot of this stuff at another time. Look up, um, you know, for instance, right now, off the top of my head, um, there are several, what what are called rewarming drills on YouTube. Um, Look those up and see the difference between Merino and down coupled together when they're wet and how long it takes them to dry out with an active person in them trying to run around and dry them out versus a synthetic shirt and a synthetic uh, insulation piece and how long it takes them to dry out during activity. The same thing happens in your sleeping bag. Moisture cannot wick its way out through down like it can through synthetic because your down layer is just going to absorb all that moisture. Mm -hmm. Your synthetic is going to allow your core body temperature to push that moisture right through that synthetic insulation layer. And you're gonna dry yourself out over the course of the night. That's what happens in your synthetic sleeping bag. So um, that kind of leads me to my next thing about the Southeast deer hunt. It's ideal to have a synthetic bag, mm-hmm. unless you're in like a like a wall tent situation, um, or if you have a cabin rental, um, or if you're hunting out of town, you know, that, that you have a hotel or an Airbnb to stay in, which is which is also a great option. If if you have a heat available. source, if you have a heat source at your base camp in a wet climate, you can bring a down sleeping bag, no problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'll have in in southeast this year for my deer hunt, just because it's easier to fly it on the airlines. It's not as big and bulky and doesn't weigh as much. So yep. it is what it is. If you're going on a if you're going on a backpack hunt out of a tent and you don't have a heat source, then bring a synthetic bag. And even if you have down layers you can still put them in your bag at night and you'll wake up and it'll be mostly dry if not completely dried out. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I stand with down and synthetic for this part of the state to hunt. Um, I hope that kind of covers that. So yeah,
1: That's good. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. Go ahead. And uh, I'm going to say, let's talk about the reason outside of the sole experience for going on a hunt like this. Which is specifically that good, good for blacktail deer or blacktail deer which is that good good venison yeah you know blacktail so. <laughs> deer meat
0: in my opinion is probably some of the best in the entire state I yes I, would I have to agree with you on I that. have had doll sheep multiple times I've had musk ox I've had bison I've had moose caribou um and blacktail deer just, had yeah yeah headlinks links actually and it, it all those are good, yep. and you know I, I love moose meat and I love sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would put sheep and blacktail deer on the same plateau. Yeah, um, it's it's fantastic. Yep. You don't get a lot of it, so you have to shoot a lot of deer,
1: <laughs> and luckily you're allowed to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I yeah. Mean,
0: if you're fortunate enough, yeah, most residents are allowed um two deer or more in most parts of the state, mm-hmm. six um, and some yeah, six in some if you live in local areas that have deer populations mm-hmm. right so yep. for instance if you lived in a town like um like Port Alexander, which is south of Sitka um yep. or or I guess it would apply to Sitka as well um you could uh, you can shoot four deer as a resident of Alaska. Period in Unit Four, and then after New Year's, in the month of January, you can shoot an an additional two blacktails. Mm-hmm. So you can shoot an, you can shoot up to six deer a year down there. Um, you know if you're a subsistence qualifying hunter. So you know that that's a whole lot of deer meat. It's still not as much as a moose, but it's a lot, and it'll get you by. You yeah. Know, for
1: a winter. What do you plan on doing with the uh, meat if you get it? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, like, don't want to say if, I said, I say yeah, when. I was going to say, Right, <laughs> I, I, I don't like to, I don't like to assume
0: that I'm going to come home with a freezer full, um, but you know, usually we make a lot of like steak bits out mm-hmm. of it. Um, mm-hmm. like fajita, thin sliced meat dishes. Yep. Um, you know, if not steak bits, then fajitas, Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of, uh, of black-tailed deer fajitas, yeah. um, yeah but uh yeah there are some good uh instapot recipes and mm-hmm. and uh, have you
2: ever um eaten the heart
0: oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. I, i'm a huge heart eater every animal big time yeah. i i now, can't remember the last that... animal that i shot that i didn't take the heart out of yeah
2: yeah i'm I'm definitely it's fast i've had some heart If it's done right it's good it's um, amazing
0: i liver different story
2: so I was going to ask that. Have you eaten the blacktail liver? I
0: have, and I'm going to do it again this year. Okay. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to try it a different way. Okay. Hmm. Um, the times before, and I, I guess I'll give clarity to this. Um, the times that I've tried blacktail deer liver before, I brined it in salt water overnight. And the last person that told me that that's how you should prepare your wild game liver um, told me that's how they always done it. And you know that this is from a this is from a whitetail hunter from Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Someone that I just talked to recently told me, Oh, no, 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 that's not how you do that. Brine it in milk overnight. Oh. He said, That takes away that liver taste uh, that nobody uh, huh. likes. So I'm bringing an extra gallon of milk out to base camp in <laughs> okay. the southeast. And, um, now I know hopefully... my wife
2: wants me to bring back liver.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, she, you know, she doesn't
2: care about the liver taste. She liver just wants is, it for the vitamins. Yeah. And the the liver stuff is a supplement. great yeah. source
0: of vitamins. Um, yep. you know, if you, uh, if you do any kind of health research, yeah,
1: liver is the absolute. I mean, ticket. Th- there's a reason when you know when predators take animal yeah. it's one of the first things they go yep. after. Yeah, wolves you know, head it's... into the
0: guts, and they're going yep. after the liver. Yep. And, you know, yep. mountain lions alike. So, um yeah, I I, I will be revisiting the blacktail <laughs> okay. liver I'm section. Excited. Yeah, I, I'm down to try I, it. I, I'm, I typically... I'm very excited. Yeah, liver and onions is a classic outdoorsman's dish. So I've, to, I've never loved, to, loved it. I have
2: to give that a try. And if the milk works, then I can let my wife yeah. know there's a way she can cook
0: liver, and I'll actually eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't
2: know if it worked, it'll work. It'll. It'll work with beef liver. I know she cooked some of that and I didn't care for it. yeah, I, I,
0: I don't care for beef liver at all. I have had as a, that as a many standard different rule, ways. And
2: it wasn't I'm, her cooking. It's just yeah, it yeah the fact that it was liver. I'm just not a fan of liver good
1: save, Mo. I, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> her cooking was great. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. So we'll throw another one at you. What about the tongues? You eat the tongues?
0: You know, I haven't kept them out of the deer in the last couple of years, but I think really? it's just an oversight thing. Yeah. Um I, I do love tongue. Um mm-hmm. where I was guiding this fall, um, the outfitter uh, the, 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 the camp boss, we'll mm-hmm. just call this person. I, I don't want to give any details, um, but the camp boss cooked up caribou tongue. And, uh, yeah. this individual did not do tongue than the, the way that I've had it in the past. So I, I've had cow tongue multiple times. Oh, yeah. M- okay. My dad has gone yep. to the store as, as, when I was a kid and, uh, even overseas, he would buy it at the store yep. and, uh, basically what we've done is we've skinned off the outer layer Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, where all the taste buds are and all that. Mm-hmm. And then he slow cooks it. Okay. And you just make it like pulled pork. And okay. it makes excellent tacos. You know, yep. it, it's, it's, it, it's like stringy beef. You know, it, the texture is great. But this individual this fall uh, where I was guiding um, did not uh, did not do that they took it and just sliced it into rounds Yeah. like little thin sliced rounds and then just pan fried it in the cast yep. iron skillet yep. with
1: uh with a little, seasoning a little bit of moose tallow and, and it was yep. phenomenal it is it was that's amazing the, that's my favorite way to do I, it I, I had never had it like <laughs> that
0: and and that, that they brought it out on a plate and i, I was outside doing something at camp and they, they brought it out on a plate mm-hmm. and uh, I, I thought oh great this is a new rendition of tongue. I don't know if I'm going to like <laughs> right, this, right. but they're standing right in front of me, so I have to eat it, and right. so I did. And I oh, immediately can I have three more of <laughs> no. those? You know, they, they served them on li- like little toothpick individual servings, and so yep. I, it, it was great. And I probably ate more of it than anybody else did that night. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. So T- I,
1: tongue is a very good. I, I will
0: be hanging on to that uh, yep. w- when we uh, if we get any deer.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't. I It'll don't be great. Wanna... Camp meat. Yeah,
2: absolutely. No, I, you know, I I kind of like to say when we get deer.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well. Well. You know. Seems like there's a sh- reason they call it hunting, not getting. I'm so not superstitious, gonna... <laughs> but I don't like <laughs> yeah. to excite myself prematurely. <laughs> you know. We're gonna do it. Right. Um.
0: Right. Yeah. So that I guess one last thing that we should probably hit on before uh, our time runs out here mm-hmm. is time of year to go. Oh um, yeah. You know, a lot of people deer hunt in Alaska, and a lot of people. A, a common theme that I see is. Oh, we went to Kodiak and no deer were coming into the call, or only does were coming into the call. Okay. Um, And I see their Facebook post was from like October 10th. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Now, what is the open season in Alaska here? Okay. So, um, where I usually hunt in Southeast, Mm -hmm. bucks open August 1st. Okay. And bucks. Or does open, I believe it's September 15th, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I'll, I'll correct myself if I'm wrong there, um, but in that unit that in the right. state, I, I believe it opens either sex uh, September 15th. Um, so, that being said, um, black-tailed deer live in the Alpine, mm-hmm. relatively high up on the mountains, all spring and summer. A- as soon as breakup happens and there's green vegetation up in the Alpine, That's where they go. That's where their great food source is on the south-facing slopes. That's where they go, and they'll stay up there and they'll grow their antlers—antlers, not horns. Thank you. Well done. In velvet, uh, that they'll grow those antlers in velvet all summer long, um, just like any other deer species does. Mm -hmm. And then um, by the beginning of October, or sometimes even the end of September, when they get that first (laughs) snow up high above treeline. Um, that pushes a lot of the deer down out of that alpine country and down into the bottom 300 feet which is heavily timbered and then down into the beach area Um, and then uh, about the first week the first full week of November the blacktail rut starts Um, now if you were to go blacktail deer hunting let's just say october 15th mm-hmm. that is going to be the absolute worst time of year to go mm-hmm. yeah that's the week that mo and i and our other yes. friend went the first year that we went in 2016 we went in october the rut wasn't going on and they weren't up high and they weren't down at the beach either and they weren't responding to anything by the end of that mm-hmm. week
2: i was convinced that Blacktail were about as real as a bigfoot or something like that <laughs>
0: well yeah th- there you go so uh, and, and there are a lot a of, conspiracy. you know, I, I'm sure anybody that's that has any amount of experience uh, blacktail deer hunting is laughing because they've experienced the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of beginning blacktail hunters make the make the same mistake.
1: Yeah,
0: um, They think, oh, well, you know, it, it's October and the moose rut in September and the caribou rut in late September and early October and, you know, down to that time of year. So the blacktails have to be rutting. Mm-hmm. No, no, they don't. Um, they rut about the middle of November is when I've seen it to be peak rut and it can vary year to year. It sounds
2: like it's about similar to whitetail.
0: Yes. 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 Um, and it can vary one week to the next from one year to to another. And that's true of any species. Correct. That's correct. Yes. And a lot of it has to do on, uh, with atmospherics. If it's Mm -hmm. really, really cold, the deer rut a lot harder and a lot more, uh, vigorously, than they do if it's right. fifty-five degrees out. Same it it is those. really
1: interesting because there's, if you look into it, there's so much science on trying to figure out what yep. kicks it off. Yeah, like what right. kicks yep. off that. There are a whole rut. lot of theories, and, and, it's, and you know whether it's the weather or it's the amount of right. sunlight. Is it the is full it, moon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the the it's hunter's really moon. Stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. It is, and, and and it's something that I you know even though, even though I've been deer hunting down that part of the state for years now, um, I still can't figure out one singular factor that I can pin that happened every single year that I hit the rut just right, that I can say, oh, yep, that's why. Yeah, That's what it was. Mm -hmm. No, and I don't think I ever will, and I think that's why I like it so much. Mm -hmm. My buddy Remington and I, uh, last year, we had a difficult first couple days of hunting. We weren't seeing that many deer. We hadn't figured it out, and it's because every year the conditions are just a bit different. The deer are doing something just a bit different than last year. And it makes us have to work at finding them. But once you find them, mm. it's like, man, that's just you flipped mm-hmm. on a light switch. Like there's <laughs> deer everywhere here. How come we weren't hunting here four days ago? Um, last year, for instance, we were finding a lot of our deer up about 200 feet up.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then the last half of the hunt, we shot them all on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know why. I, I can't really explain it. it. I, a little colder. You said there was heavy snow. I have right? I, I have yeah. a couple of theories there that snow. there was a ton of heavy snow yeah. on the beaches. Um, but I think when we arrived last year, it was just the tail end of the rut. And there were no bucks to be found. Nowhere. They just weren't interested in you. <laughs> I, think, I think they were so tired and yeah. so reclusive, they just went out to just take a couple of days off. Mm-hmm. And all we were seeing were does. Um, Remington saw one buck in the first, I think, four days of hunting. Yeah. And that's not Mm -hmm. normal for us. Not at all. Um, and then the buck that he ended up shooting on the last day of hunting, um, uh, was past rut. It didn't have any ruddy smell, Mm -hmm. um, on its tarsal gland. Um, and it, uh, its antler popped off when we were maneuvering it for pictures. Hmm. So it was completely done with its antlers. The, The rut was over. He had already gotten his rest. He was out there feeding on the beach. Um, and, uh, it, it was just, you know, it was totally over, but I, I think those bucks just disappear after the rut ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're just exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. and, anyway, well, and, and most
1: of these ungulates, I mean, when they go into a their rut cycle, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the males, they don't oh, yeah. typically eat. Yep. They don't, they lose they a lot rest. of weight. They lose yep. a lot of, they that's, fight that's, a lot. That's yep. kind of why like getting mm-hmm. like, I've experienced this a lot with rutty, uh, caribou Yep. is, you know, yep. there's no fat on them. Whatsoever. They get super lean Yeah, you know, yep. and they're just. They're drinking, and, and that's why and the old on ones.
0: That's why the old ones die after the mm-hmm. rut. And that, you know, that, that's yep. why you'll see animals of just old age. They just get exhausted by yeah. that rut, and they just die. You know, yeah. they, they
1: just and even the young they ones just like get you exhausted. Said, they just they have to take that downtime. you I mean, they, they yep. bed down, they eat, and they rest, yep. and they just kind of recover because yep. it's yep. you know, exactly. a week or two of just the most extreme you know roid rage you can imagine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yep, exactly and so i you know
0: I've, I've timed that and like i said i've we did the one hunt in october years and years ago now um that turned out so terribly i've never had any desire to go back there in october <laughs> again. oh yeah something mm. else i was gonna say never.
2: about that and it's not like we just walked the beaches or we oh just, no no like the first i think the first we night, walked miles and w- miles w- what I mentioned, in, the, in the timber mm-hmm. i think it was last week that when dalton uh walked up on me you know like yeah It typically that that year uh i would split off on my own and, and dalton and our other buddy would just would go out would go on a walk somewhere mm-hmm. and um i mean i walked clear across uh, clear across parts of that island mm-hmm. um oh, up high right. down low right. i mean i walked across the island hunted a spot hiked back no i h- hiked across hunted a spot let them know they were going out in the boats to to look to to watch
3: the,
0: and then uh, we yeah
2: and and they picked me up on the other side yeah. I just let them know where I was at and it worked out halfway decent Yep. Yeah.
0: but yeah. yeah over over the course of that trip we mm-hmm. covered a lot of miles and on the last day we split up again and went to a different spot right. because we thought, well, man, are, are we just doing something terribly wrong? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking to my friend down there. Now, of course, it was our first year hunting yep. down there. So I, I thought, you know, we're probably not going to get anything. You know, it's just a learning clear, uh, a, a learning curve, if you yeah. will. Um, but I talked to my buddy down there and he said, no, you're, you're doing everything fine. You know, just, just keep doing what yeah. you're doing. And so he dropped us off for one more day of hunting and we still didn't see anything. Hmm. Um, but that being said, so every year after that, I've gone back in November and early December. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you hit the November rut just perfect, then it's glorious. <laughs> if you hit it early, it's just awful. Mm. Even if you're the first week of November... Now, keep in mind, blacktail does are usually always going to respond to a fawn distress bleat call. Mm-hmm. That's ninety-five that's the, percent of the calls that the, we the use. Primary is that yeah. fawn distress, and that, that's that's kind of that little whistle, kind of a wheezing sound that, that we've all seen on a on a blacktail deer hunting TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, that causes a doe to come running in and see mm-hmm. what's pestering that fawn, yeah. and so that they come a into strong parental. Right, right, sticks. exactly. Even yeah. if they don't have a fawn, yep. even if it's just a single doe, she'll still come in to kind of kick off whatever predator is harassing that uh, that fawn. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so th- that that call brings in a doe. Now, the difference is a doe will respond to that usually most times of the year, just out of curiosity to come in there and, and help protect their own, right? Yep. Um, but the difference is, and, and the reason that we call... With that same call during the rut in November and December, is there are usually always bucks in the vicinity of a doe, Mm -hmm. and what you're trying to do is bring in a doe and hope that a buck is in tow of that doe. Right. So you're not calling bucks necessarily; you're calling any deer in the vicinity. Right. Now sometimes you will get a buck that hasn't found a doe yet, and he's going to hear that call and think,
1: "Ooh, (laughs) a doe's going to
0: come into this, so I'm going to go in and check out and see if a doe's going to come in." And then sometimes you will call calling single bucks like that. Right, well, I've, and if you're
2: peak rut and you and you whale on that call, it's they just come running. Right? It's pretty much a yeah. free for all at that point.
0: Yeah. Now, even last year, we were we were down there the same week last year that you guys are going to be down there with me this year. Um, and on day one, I walked a half mile from camp and blew on the call. And my wife was there with me, and she had never blacktail hunted before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't understand that this is a jump shoot mentality. You've got to be on your feet quick to the gun you know not unsafe quick but very aware that (laughs) from any direction a deer could pop out at 50 yards and it's going to give you five seconds and if you don't have a round down range then you're going to lose your chance yeah
1: this is not a a sit in your stand no this is not a glassing hunt this is not a hunt where you
0: can afford to be in your binoculars the entire time you need to be really good with your eyes and picking up game out Mm -hmm. of your peripheral vision Mm -hmm. and have your head on a swivel all the time so anyway, I I blew on the call, and like I said, we were a half mile from camp, and I blew on the call, and this doe just comes exploding off the hilltop through the snow and through the, through the alder brush. And I'm pointing it out to my wife, and she's trying to chamber around and get on this deer, and it gave her a couple of shots, and she just, there was some brush in the way, and it ended up giving us the slip. But the point being, that doe came in. Immediately. Now, Mm -hmm. she probably wasn't more than a hundred yards away when I blew on that call. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. In this thick vegetation, you can walk a hundred yards and walk past a half dozen deer and never know it. These deer are a hundred pounds or less. And we're talking about trees, like we said last week, that are as big around as five soda machines. Mm Mm-hmm these are and, and there's down trees and there's yeah. alder brush that's 12 feet high i mean these deer can disappear like a rabbit I mean, in the thick about, woods we don't
2: use rainforest
0: as just a. Um, it's not an overstatement no, correct it's yeah. an actual description. it is it, actual is, actual it is a rainforest and, yeah. and these trees are monstrous and the amount of underbrush in there is incredible right. and, and until not until you've shot a deer in the guts and blood trailed it through where they go. <laughs> wow. You don't appreciate how thick it is. In yeah. There. I I've literally blood trailed these black tailed deer on my hands and knees and had to crouch down to my elbows to belly crawl where they go. And this is this is the funny part. They they go through that brush like rabbits go through the trees mm-hmm. in the interior.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: When you're trapping for a rabbit, you don't put a snare on top of the log the rabbit isn't going to jump up and go on top yeah, of the log right. and then It'll go over it. Under. It's under it. Yep. Rabbits always duck and go under. These black-tailed deer do the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, these deer trails, when there's a downed tree and there's a there's a 2 foot gap underneath the tree, they don't mm-hmm. walk around it. No. They go right underneath of it. They crawl <laughs> down and they crawl underneath of it. And it, it it's it's insane, but that's uh, it's then that you realize just how uh, just how sneaky these things can be and how quickly mm-hmm. they can disappear. Yep. And so calling is a vital part of hunting down there because if you don't get them to move or if you don't catch them moving before they see you, you're never going to see them.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: uh, Outside of calling, it's just a random bump into it luck situation. And you just have to be in the right place at the right time and hope to see a deer walking through the woods. Yeah. So, um, post rut, it's a lot easier because they get tired and they'll come out to the beaches once it snows. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when a lot of the locals down in Southeast Alaska deer hunt, because it's, it's just beach hunting. Yeah. Um, By that time, a lot of the vegetation up in the trees is snowed over. So they're forced out to eat beach grass. Um, And uh, so that, that makes, that makes hunting a lot easier to the sense that you can find deer, but they're not stupid. Yep. Um, I've, I've put many a stalks on blacktails on the beach and never gotten a shot, Mm -hmm. you know. And I've started from a quarter mile away and at at 350 yards, yeah, they'll stand up, perk up their ears, and they're just gone, you know. So there are a whole lot of different tactics to go, and different times of year matter a whole lot. But that's that's kind of a synopsis of of uh, kind of the best times to go and when absolutely not to go. Awesome. Try to time it in November if you ideally can.
1: Well, that's some some great information there on on blacktail hunting. Yeah, blacktail, blacktailed, blacktailed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Blacktails. Right. Well, yeah. thank you guys for listening. We're going to wrap this up here. Um stay tuned for our episode next week. It's going to drop same time on Monday. So, yep. And uh we're going to be bringing some more information for you guys. We are going to be Actually recording some podcasts while we're down there, I believe. We're gonna, yes, we're gonna shoot yes. for it. We're gonna shoot for it. Yep. So while
0: we're down there at camp, we'll yeah, have so the equipment. We'll have some, hopefully so we'll have some friends. Talking about uh, the
1: hunt. Yep. So some there's, gonna be, stories. there's gonna be more information on this hunt. we we might divert from it for a few episodes, but we'll be back and, and we don't want to yep. wear you out on <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> on
2: blacktailing, you know, five episodes or something. Yep. But I feel
1: like blacktail hunting is a very over uh, very
0: overlooked and yeah, underrated it's, type it's of hunt for this time. It is really so
1: I mean definitely
0: it's a great opportunity. Once sheep and moose and caribou and bear seasons have pretty much yep. ended up in the interior, right. it's a great way to just get out and go on a different hunt, and it's often very relaxed. You
1: yeah. know, so so anyway. we're excited. We're excited to share it with you guys. So stay tuned, yeah. and uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, have a good thanks one. for listening. Yep.
2: Everybody knows that one of the most important pieces of a hunter's kit is their knife. Whether you're looking for a flushing blade, a skinning blade, or just a quality, multi-purpose knife for the backcountry, Yukon River Knives has what you need. They offer blades such as the Hunter, Small Game, and the Sendero Bush Knife. Yukon River Knives is based in Texas and has a unique mission goal in that a percentage of all knife sales go to support a missionary in Alaska. Now, Dalton, you've experienced with these knives in the field. Talk to us about that.
0: As a matter of fact, I have used a few of their knives and watched my good friend Remy use them for years with great results. They have a micarta handle that doesn't get slippery when it gets wet, and they have phenomenal edge retention for long skinning jobs. Go check out our web link on the NorthernHunter.com, and that'll take you directly to Yukon River Knives' website to see their full selection and order your knives for your next hunt with the discount code The thenorthernhunter at checkout and remember nothing replaces a quality hunting knife all right folks I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with it's the stealthy hunter rifle cover I used one on a recent black-tailed deer hunt in southeast Alaska and it did a great job of keeping the saltwater and debris out of the action, and also protecting the scope of my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night, and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman, such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code The Northern Hunter at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.